All right, Scott Ligo, president of Student Athletes Advocates. Check him out on uh, Twitter and Facebook and uh, on the website also, SA advocates.org uh he's here to help parents and student athletes uh navigate uh through the process of eligibility recruiting and financial aid and there's no other better person to have today than uh than scott ligo because today was a uh, national signing day uh, december 16th and uh this was a huge day for a lot of athletes not all athletes and we'll get into uh, the differences but today a lot of athletes decided what they're going to do for the next four years or maybe not <laughs> so scott first and foremost welcome man how are you doing i'm good i'm good thanks well thanks for having us on today it's uh, an honor to be here today and uh yeah you know exciting day for a lot of young people you know get to uh live out their dreams and uh and what a weird year to do it in 2020 some kids never even got onto the campus had to do everything virtually, um, you know, and some kids, you know, lucky enough to maybe live near the area to at least see the campus, know it. But if you're a national recruit uh, to get somewhere, you couldn't do it this year. And uh, what a strange year. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it, it is what it is. And uh, but for a lot of young people today, uh, an exciting day. That's an exciting day. Before we get started, it, it's just something that you just mentioned about the fact that, you um, kids weren't able to go out and, and visit campuses and some schools were able to do 2020, you know, AKA zoom for everything um, a lot better. And, and I heard one of the schools that really knew how to do that really well was Oregon because they mentioned uh, with Oregon that they have trouble getting out to certain places and bringing some of the kids in and they're kind of used to this long distance kind of communication. So I, just because I heard it somewhere else and, I, and, and you just kind of reminded me that some schools were better equipped to handle 2020 than other. What, what kind of impact you think had on the recruiting when it came down to knowing how to recruit via Zoom uh, compared to always relying on that in-person, um, you know, student coming to your uh, campus? Well, I, I think it's a huge impact. And I think, to be honest with you, a lot of the national guys talk about it. And I, and I think that I, I kind of feel the same way that I think at the end of the year, we may have the year of the decommitment, unfortunately, because I think, unfortunately, I think if there is a, it's a two-way street, you know, you got to go there, you got to feel like you're on campus, uh, what it feels like with student body to ask, you know, questions, to look around and vice versa. But, you know, the staff doesn't get to know you. They only get to kind of read your body language through zoom calls or whatever get the parents feelings everything's good hunky-dory on the screen but it's a whole different world when you get there and just the kind of the feelings and how when there's other 20 you know there's let's just say on a weekend there's five other alpha males in the room how does that student athlete mm. act to those five of you know alpha males and um, you know, in, in, in specific to their position, you know, so it's an interesting piece and it's, it will be very interesting to see what happens. I, uh, uh, I'm going to be uh, watching this heavily. You know, we've uh, talked about it prior, privately, you know, you and I, uh, there's been the last 12 days, 190 kids leave and get into the uh, uh, transfer portal, uh, you know, and some more even announced today. I mean, it's just, it's kind of there out there and with the way the NCAA has done this this year. I think that um, it, it could be interesting, but you know, to answer your question, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, you have to be innovative how to do it. I've seen some staffs do some pretty crazy things to, you know, to get recruits, you know, recruits on and make them feel good and happy and 
you know, staged little scenes and did all kinds of crazy things. But, uh, you know, you, you find out your innovativeness real quick and you find out how good your coach is with technology really, really quick because, you know, it can get awfully awkward if you can't connect and if you're on the wrong screen and things are your green screen behind you. And, uh, you know, I've had a few of those things happen to me personally this year. So <clears throat> I know how that works. So, you know, I think that's uh, it, it, it was definitely an interesting year. So. It's funny now the coaches, uh, you know, come uh, come knocking on uh, you know the audio video door at, at college, saying, um, "Hey guys, uh, we can use your really, really can use your help now. We need that creativity, editing, and uh, and any thoughts on it." So, uh, you know, it, it's funny how uh, you, you know you have to rely on some of these people. But let's move on to um, really what's happening in in state here at Washington. And, and today was a big day for a lot of kids. Um, and especially for uh, a young man uh, with a nickname of call, you know, slinging Sammy and, uh, and what a nickname for the slinging Sammy. Um, what's going on with uh, Sam Heward and, um, and his family? Well, you know, Sam is uh, obviously a legacy family. His grandfather was the longtime coach of Puyallup high school. Uh, coached his two sons, or actually his three sons, Luke, Brock, and Damon, um, out there, and made a you know powerhouse. He moved Billy Joe Hobart, the, the Husky from the '91 national championship team. So uh, you know it's in their blood. His grandfather was also a DB uh, at Washington uh, years ago too. So you know, kind of a uh, on the mom side. So he's just got football in him. He's in the genes. Uh, you know, good football player. Seen him since he was uh, a freshman play. Um, uh, every year has gotten better. He's a lefty, um, so he's a little bit different. But his lineage is pretty good. I mean, four, you know, three uncles that played, uh, one, two at the University of Washington, one at North Carolina for Mac Brown. Um, the uh, hmm. one brother is still even coaching today, you know. And so uh, Damon is the voice, is the father. He's the voice of the the Huskies, um, you know, ex uh, New England Patriot quarterback. So uh, the lineage is good, and he's, you know, a good, good quarterback and, uh, you know, good class. Uh, he's even bringing his uh, good friend Jabez Tenay from Kennedy High School with him, another wide receiver. A wide receiver. Yep. So, you know, he's, uh, he's, got some good, he's got some good guys. So he's, uh, you know, and he's got a good tight end that's coming down, you know, the, the, with him this year also from uh, – Transfer from your friends, um, <laughs> college. My dog right now, but this is yeah, not for me. And so, um, you know, he, he's uh, Sam's. Uh, you know, I think right now, and I don't think he even needs this season to, to play. But I believe he's the national leading, uh, you know, yard guy. He's got twelve thousand yards in his high school career. So uh, they know how to throw it. They know how to sling it at Kennedy High School. That's for sure. But he's going to be, a, you know. He's going to be a force to reckon. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the Washington football, high school football year. He wasn't going to be an early enrollee, but if they don't have a season, maybe we'll find out after January. Maybe he just quickly jumps in and gets to Washington right away. So it will be interesting. But, uh, you know, good class from the Huskies. They uh, brought another kid that's uh, really good, Will Lotter from Belfort High School, a linebacker. Um, really good player. One kid from my uh, alma mater, Owen Prentice, probably the best lineman out of the state of Washington. Uh, offensive guard, big kid. Um, he's got a kind of a football connection. His parents are the owners of Atavis ta uh, Tackling System out of the Seattle area. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, you know, this rugby style tackling. Um, so he's got some, you know, some tools around him. They have a small class, only 15 guys in the class. 
Um, you know, we'll kind of talk about maybe why they did that, and, you know, down here a little, little farther in our conversation. But, uh, you know, usually uh, a usual class is you can take up to 25 kids. So um, it might be in the numbers what they're dealing with in their class. But also, um, I think that there's some uh, reasons why they didn't go as heavy because maybe the you know the transfer portal will be good for them down the road if you know what I'm saying. So, yeah, but they're good class. Well, and just speaking back in, you, you mentioned some of the numbers from Sam uh, last year as a junior. You know, four thousand yards, fifty six touchdowns. Um, he had passed uh, Kellen Moore for fourth uh, most career passing yards in the state history, uh, trailing Brian Lindgren, uh, Max Brown, and uh, Brett Rippon um, with 3,044 yards and his 132 career touchdowns are tied with uh, Bobby Luke for fifth most in state history. Moore holds that record of 173 touchdowns. So um, it, it looks like these are numbers that he might have broken – if he would have had a chance to play his senior year, um, we still don't know if they're going to play the senior year. I would guess not. And, and if I'm Washington, I really tell Sam, listen, I know you want to compete, uh, but I strongly <laughs> suggest uh, you not playing and taking a chance of getting hurt because if not, uh, Dylan's going to be in for another year and you're going to sit down and not have a chance to compete. But to each his own, right? I mean, it's hard to tell a competitor uh, not to compete. Right. And, you know, so there's yep. always a fine line between having those uh, conversations and, and making those uh, decisions. And that's if he has a, an opportunity to make that decision because the decision might be made for him uh, with, you know, the country uh, still dealing with COVID as we uh, wait for vaccinations. Um, they will not be there in time um, you know, before the season's over. Right. I mean, um, you know, it's just, you know, just the, the numbers this is a numbers game. So we'll see what happens. Um, you mentioned Washington Huskies. They had uh, 15 uh, signed national letters uh, today for the class of 2021 uh, sports illustrated ranked them 15th uh, best in the country. Um, I'm pretty sure there's one player out there that would make that 15th best in the country uh, number go uh, way up. Um, what have you heard or what are your expectations from uh, Eastside Catholic, uh, JT? JT Chalmalao is, uh, you know, uh, not only is he a great, great football player, but he's a heck of a basketball player. He plays on the Rotary basketball team with uh, Paulo Bancaro, the kid that's going to Duke, and uh, the other guard, Nolan Hickman, who's going to Kentucky. So he is a true athlete from, from uh, one to go. I mean, he's really, really good. And playing multiple he, uh, sports. Yeah. And he's uh, announced his top five today. Uh, the Huskies, they didn't make the list. Uh, but Ohio State and Alabama are in there. And I really probably think that either one of those are the ones that he's probably leaning to. Uh, but you never know. I mean, you know, I think the Coach Lake's a competitor like anybody else. And I think they're going to fight like dogs and try to get him here. And I think that's, uh, you know, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, they lost a, another state player this year, this week, to Emeka Abuka, uh, who's going to Ohio State as the wide receiver. Um, um, you know, Washington was really wanting him as well. So, um, you know, there's been a little connection to Ohio State vis-a-vis G. Scott last year, and yep. this year he'd be the third to go there. Um, you know, if he's looking to get to the next level, I'll be honest with you, as a, an evaluation guy or that kind of thing, and for a program that develops 
and I'm not saying Washington doesn't develop their guys because they've got some good D line and they've gone to the NFL, but um, it'd be pretty much hands down for me to end up at uh, Alabama because I think what Coach Saban does down there is going to make you pretty much NFL ready, and um, they're by far the leading team in the in the, in the NFL with most you know guys that are in, that are playing in the league. So, um, but it'll be interesting. It will be definitely interesting, and I know that uh, Sam and Owen Prentice and all those kids are working hard on them, and they're mm-hmm. on his social pushing on them and, uh, you know, to take it. And, you know, you know, while I'm here, I, I might as well address this. You know, I, I, I've, you know, luckily enough to know some people in the profession. And, and I, you know, I just think that I, the one message I could always give to kids is, listen, you really got to think about the four-year decision versus four-year. And I get it. And, and, I, and I totally know about the West Coast kids. I mean, the number one quarterback, you know, last year, Uvalade, who ended up at Clemson and stuff. So the West Coast kids are going East Coast. Yeah. My point being, you really got to think about the longer implications. If you end up coming back to Seattle, you got to reconnect. You got to reset up that business connection and all those things. And you may get that at Ohio State, and that might be the greatest thing ever. And if that's where you end up staying and living and finding your future bride or whatever, uh, however that works, that's great. But, uh, I always think of local guys have done well for themselves here. Joe Steele from Blanchett, who, you know, has done really well in, you know, commercial real estate. And, um, you know, it's always nice to go to the Met, get your, you know, you don't have to really kind of work on that reservation line. You get to kind of slide right on in and make sure that they're, you know, got, got you taken care of. So um, it's a message that I think is really important for these guys to think about. And to be honest with you, you know, you're in the middle of the country or the other side of the country or, crisscross of the country that's hard on the parents to come see you and come visit you and vice versa for you when you're you know in the middle of winter and you're not feeling so good and you want mommy's you know chicken noodle soup that is so 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 good and you can't get it because mom's three thousand and five thousand miles away so it's just kind of my, it's just kind of my feelings about this whole thing but i do get it i mean hey it's ohio state I mean, you know, we've talked about it on another show. Uh, you know, we kind of get tired of seeing the same crew. It's in the final four for the college football playoff. But when that brand is sitting out there all the time and they're always in the playing for the championship and kids want that, you know, national championship chance and opportunity, I, I do get it. But I also think that, boy, you could also stay here locally and take that team to the national championship with your abilities and things you can do. So uh, having said that, I think that JT's, probably going to go to one of those two, but I, I know that Jimmy's going to fight like heck and coach Lake would love to have put that feather in the back of his cap and, and get that kid. That would be, be special for him and be, and be good for him, you know, because we, you know, you and I've talked about it privately, you know, uh, if you know, in order for you to be good, you got to re- be able to recruit locally, you know, coach James did it for years. You got to put a fence around your state and you got to be really, really good. And then go pick, pick and pluck out of California and the good Oregon kids and whoever else around the West coast you can go get, but, uh, it's uh, you got to do a good job with your in-state kids. But again, the national alignment, internet, seeing kids, kind of COVID, you can you virtually, you know, take a tour nowadays. You yeah. don't have to necessarily get this. It's, it's just different for these kids. And I do get it. I do get it. But uh, if I could, you know, offer some words of wisdom, I think that that's important for, for people to think about. So. It, it'll be interesting, um, especially with uh, today, uh, Ohio State getting the, the number one uh, ranked player, which is a defensive end. Uh, now we've seen Chase Young. We've seen Bosa. We've seen Ohio State uh, kick out these uh, D linemen, these pass rushers. So I wonder if um, that will play a part knowing 
that he's going to come in and play a minimum of three years with arguably one of the best rushers uh, to come into college football. Now, we have no idea, right? Players get hurt. Yep. Players don't live up to expectations. Uh, the way you manhandle, you know, 16, 17, and in some states, 18-year-olds is very different when you come into, uh, you know, college football and you're dealing with men. You know, 19, 20, 21-year-olds is a different monster. So it'll be interesting to see if that plays a part. Um, and, and I just p- want to piggyback really bad, uh, you know, really some of the things that you mentioned. Um, there is some benefit also for kids leaving home. And some kids, I think, do some more growing when they do leave. And it's not for everyone, right? But some kids really, whether it's getting away from uh, family expectations, maybe it's getting away from friends that, you know, always kind of, you know, hanging around and, hey, once you come back to the, to the neighborhood, once you do certain things, uh, sometimes it's, it's just good depending on what the kid's situation right? And I'm not applying it to JT, but just any kid's situation. Sometimes it's good for them to say, I I need to get out of here. Let me go learn how to become a man on my own, uh, get out of my environment and do some growing. So I I think there is that aspect also. Uh, I don't disagree with you. I mean, you know, I know we're going to talk about the other, you know, program in this state, the Wazoo, you know, and and their class that they had. And I've always said that, you know, when Wazoo was really going with Coach Price, that's what they did. They went down to L.A. and they talked to moms and they said, you know, you don't want your kid in here in Compton or Watts or whatever. Come to Pullman, Washington. There Derek Sparks. No yeah, there is no gangbang here. I mean, this is just – it is what it is. It's a Palouse. You know, the Coug is our big, huge player we got for the night. I mean, that's, I mean, it is what it is. And, yeah. and, and I have to sell that to the parent and say, hey, if you want your kid to grow and get better and get away from all the lights and all the, you know, the craziness and the night shootings that are here happening here in, in, in our town or in LA, then we're the place for it. And I think that's a great recruiting tool to use. And I think it's smart. And I just think that that's the, the, what you have to sell. Sometimes you have to sell what you, a lot, a lot of people use against you the negative to use it as a positive and yeah. tell you the parents that you can come here and mom, you're not going to, you're not going to worry on Friday nights. You just know your kid is not rolling yeah. On the streets of LA. He's, he's got no place to go. <laughs> yeah. There's a mountain I mean, over he, here. He, <laughs> there's some bushes yeah. over there. <laughs> there's there's yeah. no we've got a lot of snow. <laughs> Ain't nowhere to go. Yeah. Yep. You get you, you got I think that that's when Coach Price was really doing a great job in the LA area. Yeah. He was going to get those and selling that part of the program. So, you know, uh, you know, but it is what you know, it is what it is. But I I don't disagree with you. I think that that thousand percent that some kids just need to move on and just move, move out of the place. And, and, you know, and that's just the way it works. And uh, so I do think that there are some good things there, you know, it isn't good to have mom's chicken noodle soup, but it is also also not to have moms coddling all the time before you do. So I think that's another piece of the puzzle for these young people. So don't disagree with you. So, yeah, it's, but, it's uh, really interesting. You know, uh, you know De- Derek Sparks, um, he, he mentioned that, you know, we, we had a conversation with him before and uh, he had been on the show. It's, it's been about a year now. And he talked about leaving California and leaving that environment where he was and coming up to Pullman and being at Washington state and, and really just having that culture shock. And then afterwards just realizing that was the best thing for him to do was to, uh, was to go and be a, be a cougar. So uh, there's a lot of different things that, that a, appeases you know everyone um so it's really interesting we let's stay with washington state and then we'll get back to washington 
how did they do today with uh, the National Signing Day um, as far as players that they were able to keep and, you know, and get for them? Well, you know, they, uh, they ended up with, uh, <coughs> excuse me, 17 in their class. They took two kids out of the local area, oh, state of Washington, uh, Andrew uh, Eason from Mount Si High School, and then uh, Ryan Kershaw from uh, Yakima out of LaSalle High School, which is a really small uh, A school. Um, but, you know, obviously what uh, Coach Rolovich is looking for, his kind of guys, you know, pardon the taking away from Coach Peterson and what he believes in. But I thought it was interesting. Uh, I got some inside information from this uh, about this Francisco Mauga, which is kind of a piece I was going to use about, you know, to all these kids here in the local area. When you're competing, you're competing against a lot of kids. This kid is from Pago Pago, uh, America, Samoa. Uh, he did play in California last year, but his little brother is the number one player next year out of the state of California. Oh. So there might be a connection for uh, Coach Rolo, you know, take the brother and let's see if we get the yeah. other brother, really. Deal, but that you know, that's you know, uh, but a good class 17 kids. Um, you know, they took a few kids out of the uh, uh, Hawaii area for where Coach Rolo was at. Yeah, I took some kids out of Utah, uh, Samoan kids, and then, uh, it, and again, to my point about the international uh, recruiting, uh, there they took a punter, uh, and they took him out of Australia. And so, I don't, not sure if he's 26, 36, or 18, <laughs> but. That part, we don't ask that question, but uh, they took a punter out of uh, Australia. And, uh, you know, so that, that part is good. I, I don't know how exactly they work that recruiting piece, uh, how you do a Zoom call with a guy out of, uh, out of uh, Australia. Do you call like at three in the morning when they're waking up or how does that work? But uh, here nor there, that's, uh, you know, kind of the new pipeline for kickers is that, that area. So, but uh, again, good class, you know, for a guy that, for what we talked about in the beginning of the year, I mean, you know, he only had a short period of time, Coach Rolovich, to actually get guys on campus, and that was shut down. And then after that, it was all Zoom and do it virtually. And, um, you know, don't do Zooms when it's snowing over there and, you know, three feet of snow and let the Samoans figure out later that there does snow here. Uh, you know, show them the beautiful summer days of the wheat fields of the Palouse. That's what you want to show them. So, exactly. Uh, but a good class, you know, uh, th 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 you know, I think he's going to do what he wants to do. It'll be interesting next year to see what kind of class he can really put together, i.e. without a, you know, pandemic and uh, those things like that. But, uh, you know, 17 kids. And again, I think the same kind of thing. I think that uh, I think I think it'd be interesting to do a really analysis of kind of around the country, how everybody played their numbers this year. If they just kind of kept it below 20 to allow them, because again, if you have 25, you can start to play the portal game and figure out maybe filling some pieces down the road on that whole deal. So uh, it'd be an interesting analysis to see kind of what the national programs did, how many they brought in, but uh, not not filling their classes at the 25. That's for sure. So, but uh, it sounds like a good, it sounds like a good class. We'll see what we'll see what happens in a couple of years, as we know. It's not today that we figure out how good these classes are. So. Um What's what can possibly happen? All right, so just explain everything that's happening with the scholarships and how they're. Um, I, I don't want to say kicking down, you know, kicking the can down the road, but you know, how are these scholarships are are playing a part? Looking at twenty twenty one, and maybe some of the concerns going forward. So yeah. Well, traditionally, the the the, the old signing date, the way that we all used to get to see it. 
um, and I'm going to age myself when I say this, when you literally would watch it, read about it the next day in the paper and see the class they signed, they didn't have, you know, internet, we didn't have podcasts, we didn't have all those ways to find all this good information out all the time. Um, that's the way you did it. And it was the first Wednesday of February. Uh, now we have two signing periods. And the reason they did it was to get rid of the shenanigans in the recruiting world. A kid would say you commit in December, the season gets over, all the teams are going to bowl games. The teams that aren't going bowling, they're still out recruiting. They're doing this thing, so they shut down that period so they can't recruit while they're in the bowling game. And then they just finally did the right thing they should have done, just made an early signing period. I think they should just make it now the signing period because technically they open it up for the end, which is good because it still allows for some more kids to maybe get recruited. Hence, they played a season the, 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 the previous uh, fall. Now, if we think about 2020, and in, in, in anybody that's ever listened to me speak, I'm not a real fan of the NCAs. They, they, they screwed this up again by allowing the date to be February 3rd of this next year. They, and, you know, using Washington as an example, California, because they haven't played a season, those senior kids that were kind of on the cusp, the ones they really just had to see one more season of, they're not going to get a season. And so those programs won't really go on those guys. And so that really kind of is hard for those kids. They maybe get late. They maybe end up gray shirting or, you know, you know, red shirting or doing some weird, you know, maneuver with them down the road. But my point being is I think the NCAA in this crazy year that we just went through, they could have made some adjustments to their schedule and said, okay, we're going to kick the second signing day to April 5th or whatever. I don't care what day they come. At least it should see if then to adhere to the rest of the states in the country that had, didn't have a fall season, they could see the kids and then make their, their, their uh, um, you know, chances of maybe getting, gaining a scholarship. Obviously, California being the big major school, Texas and Florida both did have seasons this year. The California with the number of kids that they have, it just would, would have made sense if the NCAA did that. Having said that, um, so you kick it to the next day, next signing period in February 3rd, it's pretty much done now. It's over with now, but you're really kind of moving on to the next year. But to answer your question, if you go back to 2020, if you finished, if you start this past year where we, where the pandemic started, uh, when you spring sports, i.e. softball or something like that, the NCA came out and said that number one, seniors can come back for another year. So you have to start adding one more year class there. Now you go into this year. Now the kids are juniors and now they're seniors. And then the NCA came out and said, nobody's going to have a year counted against them. So you're still really sitting back in your junior year with an extra set of seniors and it just starts adding up. So then you bring in the, the 19 class. Now you bring in your 20 class. So you just see, they're starting to see the numbers adding up and what they're going to do with it. So there's potentially at a division one major program, uh, power five program, because of the way the, the numbers work, that team can end up having 120 scholarship players if the numbers work out right. Again, they're going to lose some kids from nutrition. You know, some kids are going to say, I'm just done with my career. I'm, I'm moving on and all that kind of stuff. But it's the numbers and, and the lack of, I think, leadership from the NCAA, really looking at these numbers, really saying, this is what you have to do. This is how you figure it out. You have a serious talk with your seniors and say, this is yay or nay. You're either in, you're out, and you're going to have to figure out how to financially take care of yourself this last year if you want to do this. The, that's what they should have done or looked at, but they didn't. And so – uh, it's going to be a backup for these kids. And so if you're thinking about, you know, right now these kids are walking in, that last year class, they, they don't have a next year, so they're basically freshmen. And so you're, 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 you're freshman A. I mean, you're, you're even one farther down on the notch. So that just makes it harder. So, uh, But, you know, we've talked about it earlier in the show. The portal is, you know, it, it's got over 400 kids in it right now. So there comes that next piece. The portal moving, the 
early signees, all those things, the numbers are going to get out of control. And the NCAA has not really come out with a clear, concise plan on how to deal with this. And um, so uh, it, it will be very interesting. And like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of movement during the year through the portal and through kids just decommitting and moving on and going somewhere else while they figure this whole thing out. One of the things that's really concerning to me is the fact that eventually the roosters are going to come home and you're going to have kids that maybe have transferred or are on scholarship with certain teams. And eventually the NCAA is going to say, okay, we got through 2020, we got through 2021. It's time to rein it in. Um, you know, you've got, I'm just going to throw a number out there, you know, just to make it even uh, you have a hundred scholarship kids. We need you to get down to 80. We, we can no longer keep doing this because it's eventually you're going to, you're going to pull the reins back in. What's going to happen to those kids? What's going to happen to their scholarships? What's going to happen to the opportunity to either graduate or move along? So it's something that as a parent and as a kid uh, or student athlete, that's going to go to a school, you might have to look in the mirror and make some decisions, not so much for right now, but maybe a couple of years from now where you say, uh, all right, I, there's no way, you know, and maybe, you know, I, I'm not going to be, be able to beat these guys out, these five, six guys, you know, for that, that one position. I might be the guy on the out looking in, but, it, but if I go somewhere else, I might be the number two or three guy. So it's going to be really, really, really interesting when all that kind of comes together. What are your concerns? Besides my concern, are, are those some of your concerns and what other concerns you might have with not so much right now, but down the road? Well, I, I, you know, I know we were going to talk about it, and so it's a good time just to bring it up, you know. So to hit exactly what you're saying, you know, you look at the trickle-down effect. Um, you know, on the West Coast, <clears throat> we have only four teams in the uh, Division II ranks, uh, Central Washington, uh, Western Oregon, Simon Fraser, and then a, formerly uh, Azusa Pacific, yep. who after 55 years, you know, uh, pulled the rain yesterday, and, and they're done. So really, it's, it's the sad part about it. It's the opportunities. There are going to be less opportunities. Um, and that's just at that level. We haven't started talking about the next level down, the NAIs and things like that. Um, I would even argue I, that maybe even the GNAC and the, the three teams that they have may go by the wayside. And, you know, yeah. one team, being honest with you, is Canadian. And so really, do they have a lot of skin in the game? You know, I understand they're playing American football, but my point is, you know, they don't have enough pull down here to really make this thing happen. So I'm very concerned about that piece because there's less opportunities. Um, you're from back east. You know how it works. Uh, you can literally drive down 95 and hit another school after another school after another school after another yeah. school. So a lot of opportunities out here. There's just not as many opportunities. And so really the trickle-down effect down here will be pretty bad. I mean, today we both saw, it, uh, you know, Jacob Sermon from the University of Washington left. Uh, kind, of, kind of to the writing on the wall. I mean, he, he knows that Sam Hewitt's coming. Yeah. He knows that you know, the, the quarterback present is who he is, and he's only a you know, sophomore, you know. So yeah, Dylan. he sees the writing on the wall. Yeah, so he knows exactly what's going on. So now where you're, now really where's your next choice? I mean, if you're, if you're Sermon, do you go – can you go Mountain West? I mean, are you good enough to beat out the quarterback of Boise? I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, Washington State. That, you know, do you, do you yeah. try Washington State? You know, like, you know, it, it's just, it's just yeah. one of those things. You know, you, you have a kid from BYU that's going to leave. 
You know, do you, you yeah. know, I don't know what their roster depth chart is. I mean, I think it's a good move for Sermon. Um, you know, I know Dory knows the Sermon family and, and I think, you know, she was rooting for him last year. And uh, I think at the beginning of the season, she thought that uh, maybe uh, he'll have an opportunity, but um, you know, that, that wasn't the case uh, with, uh, with Sermon because of, you know, the way Dylan performed and what the coaching staff thought of Dylan. But um, you know, it's just, you know, these kids all got to go somewhere, you know, and they all got to f- fight it out. Um, and, and maybe it's kind of going back to, you know, what we were talking about with the wide receiver uh, going to Ohio State. You know, if he feels like he's going to be there, great. But, you know, if it becomes a situation where he clearly would have been the number one receiver here at Washington if he would have stayed here, um, I'm not sure how it works out with their class there, um, you know, him going forward. So it, it's it's just – it's just so concerning for me, not so much this year, but eventually they're going to say enough and they appeased everybody. And this is probably alluding, you know, to what you were uh, alluding to saying that they should have made some tough decisions now because there will be some tough decisions later on. Yeah. Well, I mean, and if we're really expanding it out, if you think about it, I mean, there's the threat again, Right of the of the NCAA tournament, not the basketball tournament, not happening in. So there's more money that's less that will be on the table. So I mean, we both know how this works. At the end of the day, it's about the dollars, and if you don't have the dollars to make this thing happen, you're not going to have it happen. So I I agree a thousand percent with you. I felt like they could have done something. Uh, You know, January they're going to vote on the one-time transfer with no stipulations. I mean, I, I think that will pass with flying colors. And I think that's really going to make, you know, you know, the charade even crazier because then these kids are just going to go left and right and they're going to be out the doors and yeah. the backside. It's good. It, it's um, again, the, how the NCAA kind of thinks these things through sometimes is really frustrating. They really don't sit it down and say, so if we do this, what does that look like? What does it do this? What is this going to look like? And what are the ramifications? So, at the end of the day, I agree with you. I think that they're gonna they're finally gonna hit the pause button because they're gonna like we can't afford to do this anymore. If we continue to you know try to pay for a hundred kids, we're just we can't do it. So I agree a thousand percent with you, and the ramifications are pretty huge. I, I, it's going it's going to be interesting as hell just to see how everything's going to work out. Uh, you know, we were talking about the recruiting. We we're talking about how important it is to recruit in the state and to keep these guys here. Um, Apparently, Air Force likes Washington also, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, talk a little bit about that and uh, the way, uh, you know, uh, the way Air Force comes in and, and just, I guess, losing uh, homegrown guys uh, to other programs and, and not keeping them in state. Well, you know, let's be honest, Air Force is a, is a, is a, is a different, all the armed forces are a little bit different animals, yeah. how they can recruit, they have the school below and it's, you know, like a high school program and things like that. So they, they can go out and get track mark guys, vice versa. It is harder to get into the Air Force. You have to have literally your congressman write a letter for you. I mean, it's a different deal. It's a different yeah, experience yeah. to get a kid in. So it's just not like it's an insurance. But, you know, Air Force came in here and pulled out five kids from the state of Washington, which is either, uh, you know, salute our hands to our young men in, in the state of Washington that they're capable of getting these, these scholarships. Yeah. So that part you gotta you know you know um, you know give them the salute. Plus we all know at the end of the of their tenure what they're gonna end up doing. They're gonna go out and fight you know for our country. So 
bless them for what they do. But uh, yeah, I mean, and they also uh, have one job. of the top, the, the the best cyber programs in the world. So if you're into uh, computers and, and and you know and you know cyber, you know that that's where yeah. that that's where you go. You go to Air Force. I have a buddy that his son, he could have gone any to any school. His grades were incredible. He went to Air Force. So just yeah. kind of piggybacking on just the the standard is so high. Go ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and you're in a great place and great, 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 great uh, environment. And, uh, it's all positive down there at the old Air Force. You know, uh, with, uh, with the school closing down in California, it was the last school there, right? Yeah. Alluding to that D2 school. Um, it's it's tough decisions, you know. In in two thousand nine, uh, Hofstra ended their seventy three year uh, football program, you know, and the, the Wayne Krebets and you know all these other players that came out of there, and it was just shocking uh, for us uh, on the East Coast to know that you know that this program was going to you were going to lose it. Right across the street was Krebets, Wayne Krebets Bar and Grill, is literally. I mean, we could you with a bad shoulder, I could hit it. <laughs> with a football from the field. That's how close it is. It is right across the street uh, from there. And um, and to see that program go away. But the positive was they were able to maintain other programs. And with the money that they had from football or the money that they were losing from football, because that's what happens. They started losing money because it was hard for them to go. They were stuck in no man's land right? Between being a D1 school, but not being able to put Notre Dame or Clemson or any of these other big schools, you know, on, on their schedule. And they have one of the top nursing programs in the country. That was all from money that they were able to save from football. They, they built this program up. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, Fairfield University in Connecticut, uh, Northeastern University also, programs that had football that they had to get rid of. So if you're not making money playing the game of football, football is a tremendous cost to the university. And it's going to be really interesting uh, to see these schools saying, okay, no more, especially if you're going to be so top heavy. If we're always going to have these conversations about an Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, that they're always going to be so top heavy. Are you concerned, and there's a long way to get to this question, are you concerned that that's going to kind of dwindle down even further where some of these schools are going to say, hey, we're, we're out of this business, we're done, especially after losing money from 2020, 2021, possibly like you alluded to, no March Madness, and they were already probably struggling on the books uh, with their programs. Yeah, you know, I mean, just for edification for a lot of people out there, I mean, the one thing about universities, they bring as much money into the athletic department as they possibly can, and their job is to spend as much money as they possibly can. They like to, you know, pretty much be at zero at the whole deal. Having said that, I think you're absolutely right, and I think obviously, you know, as much as it hurts me and things like that, and you and I talked off the air about it. Um, you know, it, it sucks about Azusa Pacific, but you, they're, they're looking at the bigger picture. What can they save? Can they save any other athletics and do those things? And so I think that, uh, you know, yeah, I think that the, those questions are going to be out there. We already know the major league program. I mean, look at Clemson, one of the best football programs in the country, and they got rid of their top track and field program in the, in the country. And so, 
um, yeah, I think it's going to be it's, it's going to be the trickle down, trickle down effect on these people and, and the things and uh, you know you know administrators are going to lose positions and things like that. It's it'll be it, there's going to be a little bit of reckoning and well, that's okay. And I think sometimes you clear the air, get it all back to zero, yeah. and figure out the people do best and then uh, go forward. But uh, there will definitely be a reckoning in this deal, and uh, you know hopefully not everybody will be sacrificed in the whole thing. But usually football is you know sometimes it's as I like to say. You know, in those big college football jobs, that big money brings you in. That big money brings you back right back out the door, too, you know. I.e., Gus Miles on $21.7 million out the door, you know. Uh, it's not a bad, you know, exit plan. I, I think I can I could live with that exit plan for $21 million. So, I know my wife, but she'd be like, that was direct deposit, right? So, yes, yes. You know. Yeah, and then she yeah. changed the PIN number on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and probably the... Probably the uh, lock on the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just as, long as, just as long as everything was, all the money was in the house. And then after that, probably get rid of me. So, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely, uh, you know, the money is the, the money is, is going to be the issue from here on out, going out. So it'll be very interesting how this whole thing plays out. That's for sure. Well, Scott, I have a feeling you're going to be uh, really, really busy going forward. Uh, Scott Ligo, president of Student Athletes Advocate, uh, helping parents and uh, students uh, navigate the recruiting and eligibility process, uh, financial aid. So please look up Scott Ligo at uh, studentathletesadvocates.org. Uh, and uh, and that's his buddy dog. We, uh, we really thank his dog for being here with us. Uh, hey, hey. Scott, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was always fun talking football and recruiting with you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Sorry about Take my care. Dog. Go get the dog. Okay. Ruff, ruff. Yeah, I can't trust me. Bye. <laughs>